high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to shout the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. Lord, I'm glad you're in my life. I'm so glad to came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to shout the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. You came from heaven to earth to shout the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth. To shout the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lift your name on high. Lift your name on high. I just learned something sitting there. One time I thought Jeremy was back here playing that music. He's not playing that music, guys. I, I was totally fooled. I thought he's back here playing it. Nope. But anyways, it is uh, good to see everybody out. And you know, it's uh, and we always say it. It's not fun to you know, have to speak in someone's absence. But you know, we do take it as an honor to you know he trusts us enough to be able to you know to share what God's put on our heart. But also, you know that. Uh, we know he's where he needs to be tonight. Brother John's at home resting, keep that leg healing, and you know don't want him to do too much too soon. And uh, it was good to have him out this morning. And you know, it's always encouraging to see that you know God does heal. I mean, it's an amazing thing to think that He's given certain people that ability to go in there and do those surgeries. Even I just, I mean, it's amazing how these doctors have been gifted in such a way that they can do that. But that's a God-given uh, talent. But if you would go ahead and turn to Mark chapter two. Go to Mark chapter 2. I know that uh, 
For those of you that have gone through Sunday schools, you know, extensively, and as, you know, kids in this church have, and, you know, there are some of us, I mean, there were, there were years that you could, you knew what was coming next because you've been through the curriculum so many times, but, you know, there are some, some accounts in the scriptures that I'm telling you, I don't, I know it was in the earliest class, like the preschool, kindergarten, whatever you want to call it, class. When I first heard this when I was a kid, I just could not, I mean, I can still picture the little, they called them making takes, and the little, the little Sunday school materials. And, you know, we're going to read Mark chapter 2, and we're going to read through about verse number 11. And we're going to take our lesson from this. Actually, going to read through verse number 12, then we'll have a word of prayer. We're going to take the bulk of our lesson from Mark chapter 2, and we're going to read 1 through 12. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let him down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith and said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this fashion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the day, and thank you again for allowing us to open your word, and pray that you just uh, help me remember the things I've studied, God, give me the thoughts and need, the words I need to say, and do pray for pastors, he's home, Lord, pray for a complete healing of his leg, that you give him grace to be back here with us soon. Again, just thank you for your mercy, and uh, help these words to speak to all of our hearts, and Lord, forgive my sins, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you go through the scriptures, you know that nearly everywhere Christ went, once his fame began to really began to spread, everywhere he went, there was a crowd. And in this situation, he did something. He went into a home. And we all know what it's like whenever there, there it means what they call standing room only. It is a very uncomfortable place to be. But you know, one of the things I think was really amazing is whenever Christ went into this house, he wasn't there just socializing. He wasn't there just eating the food. He wasn't there just, you know, taking in the, I don't know what kind of home it was. It might have been a very large home. It could have been very small, meager. But what, what we've got to get at here is what he said in verse number two. All, and you just kind of picture this place is really just packed with people. No doubt the doorway was completely full is what the scriptures tell us to where no, you couldn't even, you could not get in. And whenever it comes to that verse number two, it says he preached the word unto them. You know, this world, that's exactly what the world needs. 
it doesn't need a bunch of social events to where, you know, you come together around food and everybody just talks about how their jobs are going or where their kids are at or what their kids are doing or the weather or this. You know what? Christ set a good example even there for even good, good gatherings. To be preaching and teaching the Word, you know, being encouraging in the Word. But what I come to this right here is you got, I want you all just to just imagine this man who was sick with what they called a palsy, and we know in medical conditions we have multiple diseases that are referred to as palsies. Whether this was a, and obviously this man being laid upon a bed, this was something that was physically confining for him. He could not walk. He could not help himself. And it says in the scriptures that he was carried by four people. And you can imagine these people had heard, just as Zacchaeus heard whenever Christ was coming. There's some, some word of mouth. You know, somebody said, you know, that, that healer's coming to town. That healer is here in this town. Somehow it made it to that person where no doubt he had a circle of friends or family. They begged. He said, please, I need you to get me to Jesus. Get me to this one who can heal me. And those four people, can you imagine how they felt? Can you not imagine just how they felt whenever they got even near that house and they looked and they knew what, was, what, what the problem was going to be? The press, the people, the people. And you know, the people standing around the home, no doubt people, if, if there were windows, no doubt looking in the windows, pressing around this place, these men maybe navigated trying so hard carrying this man up on this bed, or, or I, I envision almost like a stretcher, you know, something just sort of, sort of caught they were carrying. Imagine the navigation around the, and when they first saw the home, what kind of disappointment they must have thought. You know, he's not outside. He's not in an open air area where we can even yell and get his attention. He's in a house. It says that a door was completely jammed with people, but you saw what their course of action was. I, I'm just, and this is where I come back to our little Sunday school. I remember making one of those little making takes where the little guy was on a cot and you made this little hinge roof and you let the little guy down in it. And I may, remember just the little guy would slide down on it and just, I just, ama it just amazed me. Some people, the men who were with him did not look at the situation and say, hey, listen, we're really sorry, but it looks like Jesus is covered up and busy. I mean, he just, I'm sorry. No, they didn't. I don't know if the man implored them. I don't know if he begged. But whatever it was, that situation, that man and his four friends, somehow, and we know how that somehow is, it's through the grace of God, that navigated to the roof of this house, broke it open, and lowered this man down. Can't you all just see that right now? You know, a situation where people are so desperate for Christ that they're not going to let a crowd... They're not going to let the confines of space or time keep them from getting what they need. You know, we have, we have, we're raising up a generation of people who will literally sit in a drive-thru and wait on coffee and food for 20 minutes and not think, think anything of it, but people won't sit and read their scriptures for five minutes a day. You know, we have people who want instant gratification. You know, they want instant gratification with, you know, why, why isn't this being fixed or healed or, or, or completed now? But yet again, we are that generation of people. Go to Chick-fil-A tomorrow morning and see what it's looking like. People are real patient for chicken biscuits and stuff. But you know what? Seriously, how many, how many of those people will be patient enough to go sit in a service where they, where they get everything they need scripturally? But you know what? These people right here were a great example, weren't they? They looked at something and they said, you know what? We don't care how big the crowd is. 
What, what, what is in there, that being Jesus the healer, is what we need. We're going to get our friend in there no matter what. And you know what? That man, can you imagine how grateful he must have been to those, those four people carrying him? And you know, if, and I don't, I've never been in the Middle East, but you know, according to Sunday school materials, those places have flat roofs. I don't know if they had like easy to navigate stairs up to the roof or what, but somehow they got to the roof. And somehow they opened this thing up and somehow they lowered this man in there. Can you not imagine what it would have been like to be in one of those people standing around Jesus and suddenly the, the roof opening up? I mean, because you know if it was made out of, you know, thatch, which is sort of kind of like a straw material or, or and some... Can you not imagine, I mean, the stuff raining down, you know it had just been people like, what in the world is going on here? Somebody's opening my roof. And then you notice what happens here. This man is lowered down. I just think it's amazing because right at that very moment, Jesus didn't go up and say, what in the world is going on? What is wrong with him? He didn't, did he? He saw faith just like he saw that woman who reached out and touched that garment. He knew. You know, he knew, wait a minute, some virtue had left me. And then, you know, he knew what she needed at that moment. You know what, at that very moment, he looked right at that man and said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know, in today's society, any kind of forgiveness is hard to come by. You know, if you wrong somebody, but you think of this. Jesus looked at this man and said something that really set the religious world on its edge. Because in their hearts at that very moment, some people who were there for a show thought within themselves... What right does this man have saying that? Well, you know, I know I've given the example before. Um, whenever you get caught and somebody knows, you, you can just imagine what somebody's thinking and they think you know what they're thinking. It's a really eerie kind of feeling. Can you not imagine those men whenever, you know, they're thinking this. It says he perceived their thoughts, which meant he didn't, he didn't hear them. To perceive their thoughts, you know, to perceive means to see or to understand their thoughts. And isn't it a good thing that people can't perceive and see your every thought? And I recall, you know, I've told you all this before, probably a, a little boy that I knew his dad's name. And whenever I introduced myself, my name was Jared. I saw the kid light up. I mean, he just, just about jumped out of his seat and I never called on him for anything. And I kept ignoring him on purpose. And uh, I mean, he just wanted me to call on him so bad. And I knew he wanted to tell me something important. I just kept ignoring him because I wanted to make a point. I went on talking, talking, talking. And then I called him and said, kids, I just want you all to know. I'm getting ready to show you how I can read minds. And these kids are like, and, they're like, and I said, you're wanting, to add, you're wanting to tell me that your dad's name is Jared. Guys, I'm telling you, that little boy, you, he was like, it's true. It's really true. My dad's name is Jared. I mean, he was just, it was amazing. I perceived his thoughts. I saw his body language. Well, you want to know something? I don't think Christ was even looking for that moment to read body language. I think he knew at that moment, those people, those people think that I am not what I am. Well, I want you to realize that these people doubted Christ's ability. A few weeks ago, I did bring a lesson on our mighty God. 
Friends, any time that we put God or Christ on the same plateau or measurement of man, we, we, are, short, we are cutting Him short of His glory. And the, this, this right here was a direct insult to Christ as the Son of God. They had doubted Him in their hearts and said, what right does He have? But I want you to notice what it says right here in verse number, verse number 6. There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus, thus speak blasphemies? For who can forgive sins but God only? Look what Christ says in verse number 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason these things in your heart? Now can you not imagine how they felt at that moment whenever they just thought something? He said, Why did you think that? I mean, I've, I've been asked, why'd you say that? But they got asked, why'd you think that? That's pretty deep. Next verse. Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Now here's what I want to tell you. He's basically saying, you know, would it be easier for me to forgive sins? Or easier to tell this guy who can't walk to get up and walk? I mean, this is kind of like one of those moments where everybody's up on, on edge now. Look what it says. But that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He's saying, don't doubt me. Because what I'm about to do, you're not going to believe it to begin with. Look what he says in the next verse. And I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. Thine house. Jesus, at that very moment, no doubt amazed some people who still went away from that very situation not believing. But I want you to consider this. He proved he had power over the physical and the spirit. He proved that he had, he had power over the one thing that would separate us eternally from God, and that was sin. He had power over that. He had power to forgive that. And he had power to make a man who could not walk to get up and walk. Now, I want you to look at uh, Matthew chapter 4. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verse number 23, this is another time whenever we have to realize that Jesus in this situation, this is Matthew 4, 23, Listen, listen what it has to say about how limited he was in his power. And we're going to notice he wasn't. And when we look at mankind, the reason why that we, we sometimes shortcut God is because we're so used to hanging out with people. But you want to know what? If we would hang out a little more with God and see what he does, we wouldn't be measuring God with a man's ruler. Now look at verse number 23. And Jesus went about... All Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And it says, And his fame went throughout Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken of diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with the devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. These people were witnessing physical and 
I don't know what you call emotional healings in ways that they'd never seen before. But you know, in our scriptures, what we've looked at here, we saw some people who realized the power of God. Not everybody there was a doubter. There were at least five people, one man on a cot and four people carrying him that believed that Jesus had exactly what they needed. You know, if we came to church and, and we, we really approached it, just as Brother John mentions many times, that God is here and realize that when we come in, just as that man was lowered into that place, that there was a blessing to be had, if we really came here expecting that, I really think we would go away a little more filled each time. You know, those men, I don't think they had doubt. Because we do find scriptures uh, later on in the New Testament where, where the doubt of a whole city, Jesus Christ has basically told them, said, your doubts, it's doused, uh, you know, it's doused everything. I, I, there's no blessings to be had here because of your doubt. Those five people right there, the four carrying and the one on that cot, they came expecting. And you know, you think of that. They, they were the people who came there just, just as Zacchaeus. He climbed that tree and I don't think Zacchaeus knew what he wanted right there at that very moment. But then all of a sudden, I think that whenever he, he met eyes with Jesus, I think he knew exactly what he needed, and Jesus told him to come down. But you notice that the contrast here, in this case, Jesus told this guy to get up. He said, get up, go home. Can you not imagine, because you know as well as I do, in communities where there are people who are lame and cannot walk, everybody in the community knows them. Everybody knows their, their limitations. If there's a blind person in the community, typically people know who they are. Because you know their limitations for, for helping them. You know what? I believe in this town where Christ was, people didn't look at that guy on that cot and think, well, there's a fraud. No, they knew that guy, was, that guy had a palsy of some sort of physical limitations. And when they saw him get up, my goodness gracious, can you not imagine? But I want us to think of this. How how'd they come? They came boldly. You know, can't you imagine they probably, in their own way, probably tried to get in that front door. I don't know if there's a side door. I don't know if there's a back door. But those men, no doubt, probably tried and probably got turned away. People saying, we were here first. We were here first. You, you go around. We can't. Sorry. I, he can't help him. He's here to teach and preach. Probably got, they probably did everything they could. And then somebody, somebody had the bold decision, the bold suggestion. Let's go up the top. It's the only other place we can get in. I want you to think of what they did. They went boldly. You know, the New Testament tells us that's exactly the way we are to approach knowing, and boldly not meaning rudely, boldly meaning knowing that there can be an outcome if we seek it in God's, in, in God's way and God's will, there could be an outcome that could be life-changing. That's boldly. If you would go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at 14 through 16. And it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. You know, that man who came there knew his need, didn't he? He knew if he had a physical need. We have all, multiple other scriptures where people 
had a physical need and they approached Christ. But you know, when we have a limitation, whether it's physical or it's spiritual, or for an unbeliever, unbeliever who is lost, we should never, never put God in a category as, you know, there are certain things that this guy can't help me with. Don't ever put God in that category because God can help us with everything. The anxiety that this world is eat up with today is not something that, every, that a doctor has to fix all the time. A lot of times the anxiety this world has, it needs Christ. People need to come to terms with the fact that Christ really can give calm to the soul. Christ really can give peace to broken hearts. Um, but you know, in today's society, people want something quick without them ever coming to a realization of where their, their healing comes from, that being God. When we go boldly, don't expect immediate answers all the time. I know that, you know, we have people on this prayer list, and guys, I'm telling you what, you know, whenever a person has a lingering illness, it's not, it doesn't just stay a physical illness. It becomes an emotional illness. It does. And you know what, though? I believe that if we continue to go boldly before the throne of God, God can give those people grace and peace that we can't imagine. Because that's what He's given us the opportunity to do. Do you think in His Word, if He did not want us to come boldly, would He tell us to come boldly? I mean, really. If I said to, you know, if I really needed somebody to run and I told them to run, I would mean what I said. Don't walk, run. If the Scriptures tell us to come boldly, not doubting, then we should go boldly, not doubting. So we got to understand that, that that was a difference in a lot of those people who went away unbelievers still. You know, tonight, whenever we leave God's house, there will probably still be people who go away from many sanctuaries around this country and world who will hear the word, pastors will preach their hearts out, but because they came, well, I'm here, mom won't grab at me tonight. Well, I'm here, you know, they won't mark me, mark me, you know, absent from church. You know, well, I'm here, so that'll, that'll keep people off my back. They're going to leave with nothing. But when we come in God's house, you know, this morning we, we had anticipation our pastor was going to be here. He preached for 30 some minutes. And you know what? He said numerous times, I don't know if this is for anybody but me. I have news for you. I had some people tell me today that it was for them, which goes to tell me that there were people who came here and they, they were expecting our pastor to come with God's word. And when we expect it to speak to us, you know what it's going to do? It's going to do just that. That man went to that house not to be carried out. Think about it. Do you really think he, he said, guys, please carry me over there and then carry me back home? Nope. I don't believe so. I think that man said, fellas, carry me over there and we'll walk back together. I'll carry my bed. You know what? They got to witness that, didn't they? They got to witness something I, I just cannot imagine. But you know what? Here in the past little bit, we've had the opportunity to take some people off a cancer list too. Guys, uh, people who ever doubt that, that God doesn't answer prayers has never sat and read a prayer list year after year after year with names on it, and all of a sudden, doctor says, wow, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And you know something? That's why we pray. That's why we do. That's why that we, we go before God, because again, and you know what's sad? There are people who will doubt, and they'll say, eh, well, I don't know if I'd trust that doctor or not. I don't know if I'd trust that good news or not. What? I mean, really? I mean, you're not going to trust the good news? 
Can you, can you imagine being that person who's been prayed for for all that time and then the people who prayed for you are like, I know you got some good news, but who boy, I don't know if we're going to really believe it yet or not. Friends, listen. When God works through prayer, that's time to praise God and thank God. And you know what? I don't think that guy laid on that bed and said, I don't think I can do it. You know what? He got up and left. And you know what? I think that's an amazing testimony that he didn't lay there and question, well, I don't know if I can or not. He didn't say that. There's no scripture reference to that. He got up and left. And you know what? There were some folks, as we know through many accounts of the New Testament, who went away just, I'm just not so sure about this. What are we, what are we, what are we expecting? Okay, what do you come expecting? Do you come expecting to sing a few songs and go home? If so, that's what you're going to get. But if we come expecting, wait a minute, maybe God will use His Word to make me, you know what, something might be said tonight or be said this morning, that this week it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exactly what you needed. Haven't you had that happen? Because I have. I've, I've heard messages or lessons and all of a sudden you, you come to the end of it and you're thinking, well, that was, that was really, really good. But throughout the week then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, wow. That's why I needed that, because that was, that was my armor for that moment right there. That's an amazing event. Go to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. I always find it amazing that, you know, I don't know how many people, think of how many lessons were probably taught on David today. How many lessons were probably brought about David and his life and how that he went through so much, a lot of it self-inflicted, but how many times he returned to the point to where he realized that what he needed was exactly what God could offer. But in uh, Psalm chapter 28 and verse number 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiced, and with my song will I praise Him. Now you think of, again, I, cannot, I just cannot imagine how excited that man was whenever he knew that Jesus was in his town. And, and again, think about how many of us have been excited because a certain group or a certain person was going to be in town that you were going to get to go see, maybe play songs. And you were going to get to walk out and get an autograph. And they're basically going to devalue something that you just paid for by writing their name on it. But we, we, we're eat up with that sort of thing. But again, what we really need is to get excited about the fact that the doors open on this church every Wednesday and every Sunday. And we get to come into a place where everything's paid for. I mean, literally everything's paid for. We get to take away blessings that we don't deserve. And the neat thing is, we get to come back and do it again. And that right there should get people excited because we, we have, and, and guys, I know I say this a lot, but we have a generation of kids who are being lied to. They're being robbed of their youth. They're being robbed of everything because parents, it's easy. It's so easy to say, well, no, just, just watch this. You don't have to listen. Or just, you know, we don't have, we went last Sunday, didn't we? You know, I mean, seriously, we went last Sunday. You got Sunday school this morning. Are you, listen, they're being robbed. 
That we we should raise our kids up, and any any kid that we know, not even our own, but people around us should know that we are not selling out to just the things of the world, but we we really want to be part of what God has to offer. You know, I really do believe that if that man had woke up that very morning that Jesus was in his town and would have laid in bed and never asked for somebody to take him to see Jesus, would his, would his account have ever been recorded in Scripture? No, it wouldn't have been. Because he would have been as many other thousands of people, probably in that very same town, who said, well, I don't need to see Jesus, what's the big deal? But you know what? Because he had faith, he got carried to a place that changed him forever. Sins forgiven, life changed, able to walk, got up and walked out of the place. If we can understand, we need to have the same motivation because whenever we are born again, you know what it took? It took total faith. It took us saying, you know what? And I don't fully understand every aspect of salvation except it's total reliance on God. But if we wake up and every day of our life we're like, well, so what? I mean, Jesus can help them. There's no way he can help me. You know what? Our, our account isn't going to amount to much. But you know, you think of this. People who are born again come to the end of themselves. That man, just like that lady with the issue of blood, no doubt, she had come to the end of herself, what, 12 years, spent everything she had. But that one encounter, she knew if she had faith, and she did. But look what that says again. The Lord is my strength and my shield. It doesn't say my job, my position, my circle of friends. But you know what? That's because all those things are temporal. But God, being an eternal God that we can't question as far as like His power and His being and His deity, but sadly again, we measure Him up against other people. The doctor says I can't be healed. What God say? You know, what does God say? The doctor says that this cannot go away. What, what has God said? Has God given you a limitation? He certainly has not. So that's the reason why I do believe this account is so powerful for today's generation. We need people to realize they're not too far gone in sin. People aren't too far gone even in an illness. We pray that God gives people peace. You know that God would give them the grace they stand in need of. Now if you would, let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And this right here, I'm certain that somebody is probably waiting for me probably even to read these verses. But Matthew 7... Matthew chapter 7, and verse number 7, says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Did you see it said to ask, seek, and knock? Think of what these people did. They asked. Seek, and they took the roof off the house. I mean, that's, I mean, knocking, I think of like, you know, literal knocking and asking. No, they went, they took a roof off a house and went through it. You know, I really just, I find amazement in what God had put in His Word for us. You know, whenever I read this earlier in the week, I didn't know, I, I didn't know Brother John would need me to speak tonight, but you know, I do believe that every person, if you're sitting here and you're honest with yourself right now, there's something, it might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be mental, uh, it, it truly may be a deep spiritual problem, or it might be that you're lost. 
But if you are really, really honest, we, we can't fix ourselves. We can take all the medicines in the world, all the vitamins, all the supplements. We can read all the feel goods that we, we, can, we can possibly buy. Read all the devotions written by people with all kinds of titles. But until we really go to God with our issue, asking, seeking, knocking, and in, in this situation, you don't, don't look at it as being Jesus is too busy. Take the roof off the place. Go. Keep going back. Find a way. And you know what? A lot of times to find a way, we've got to get ourselves out of the way. That's what I found personally a lot of times whenever, whenever things do not work out the way that I know they're supposed to. And when I say I know they're supposed to because maybe I was seeking things I shouldn't be seeking or, or desires I shouldn't, you know what? It's usually yourself's in the way. Whenever you move yourself, it's like removing that roof and then you can be blessed. But in Matthew chapter 7, I think that is amazing. And if you look right here at that section right there, it tells us, ask, seek, and knock. They knew the situation. But I know that whenever God's words open, it can help us. And one thing I want us all to take away from this lesson tonight is, did you notice Jesus never rebuked that man for tearing up a roof? Don't you see it's already crowded in here? I mean, really, it's crowded enough. You couldn't get in the front door. What makes you think you have the right to come in this way? You know, on that little Sunday school material, you know what I remember? I remember it showed the roof with a hole in it, Jesus being lowered down, and there was room for that cot in the floor. And I, I just remember that. I'll never forget those little pictures because, you know, I think that's what they're meant to do, kind of ingrain your mind and memory with certain images. There was room. <laughs> There was perfect room for that cot to be lowered right down there for that man to be seen by Christ. Guys, there's not one person here that, does not have, that Christ does not have room for. There's not one situation that Christ does not have time for. He stopped whatever he was teaching and preaching, and you know what he did? He did his Father's will, just what he did all throughout the Scriptures. So in this day and age, we need to encourage each other. When we know that people are struggling... You know what? We maybe need to be one of those four friends. Think about it. Think of all your friends. Think of all your acquaintances. Maybe we need to be like one of those four friends and say, come on, let's go to Jesus. You know, uh, there are lots of times, and I know Brother Jeremy said this a long time ago, um, you know, people ask you to pray for them. You don't have to wait till you get home or get in your car. You can pray for them right there. You know, what if those friends would have said, hey, wait a minute, we got things we got to take care of first. You know, it's a... Later on, we'll come back, and if Jesus is still around, we'll take you down there to him. No. We know the situation. They carried him right to Jesus. When we see the opportunity, we need to be those four friends. We need to be those people take people before Christ. You know, God has given us an opportunity, and we've said this before. We don't read that prayer list just, you know, to fill up a pretty little time slot so people will feel good here in their name or their neighbor's name or grandma's name. We don't do that. We do that because it is just as powerful as that, that, that cot being lowered down right there with Jesus. When we read that prayer list, if we pray through Jesus, you know what we're doing? We're laying those names, those people, right there at the throne. And you know what? I, I find great comfort in that. Whenever I have situations, I tell you what, pray. Whenever you have situations, pray that Christ would intervene. Because you know, again, I think of this. What if, we, what if that man would have never gone to Christ? Would his account ever been in the Scriptures? Wouldn't have been there. 
You know what? Because that, and you know, think of the world right now. The millions of people right now who have a need and they know it's a need, whether it's an addiction or whatever, they know it's a need. But because they've never been taken right there in the presence of God, they continue in that. But we need to pray for one another. We'd find the courage, the encouragement in the scriptures to be like those four friends. You know, be, be willing. Be willing to carry people. Be willing to take people where they need to be. And if need be, break in through the roof. I mean, Christ is not going to kick you out. Christ sees you come boldly. You know what you're doing? You're fulfilling the scriptures. He tells us, come boldly. And I think that's what we should do. So hope those are some words of encouragement.